This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Glamier. Hi, this is Dr. Tabas Samir. I'm a cosmetic dermatologist, owner, and founder of Mirror Skin Cosmetic in New York City and star of an Emmy award-winning Bravo TV show. My podcast is all about great conversations with your favorite celebrities, media personalities, and well-known experts in the worlds of lifestyle, celebrity, relationships, and more. Through their stories, I hope to uplift, inspire, and educate. This is Glamier. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Glam Mirror. I'm so excited about today. I have Brian Banks, whose story is one of resilience and redemption. Mm. Um, and he is here with um, Lori. Sorry, scratch that. He is here with Lonnie Coombs, a former LA district prosecutor. prosecutor. Yeah. And they're going to be doing a new show on um, Oxygen that's premiering Sunday, January 7th called Final Appeal. And it really is about finding people who are wrongly convicted and helping to investigate these four cases mm -hmm. and possibly getting an overturn or new type of conviction overturn. Well, yeah, if, these, if a person, uh, one of these cases that we're working on, if this person claims to be innocent and we find some form of innocence, then yeah, I think that what we discover will help them help in their them. own case. But we um, are more just eyes and ears uh, looking back into the past, yeah. into cases uh, where people claim to have been wrongfully convicted. We're talking 40, 30, 25 years of, of time mm -hmm. that has went by and, and these individuals have been in prison this entire time still claiming to be innocent after yeah. being convicted. And we don't go in assuming one way or the other. Yeah. We go in with open mind. Um, mm. We review everything. I got my hands on every police report, uh, every witness statement, all the trial transcripts, um, everything that's happened in court. We review everything that's happened up to date. And then we go in and say, okay, what more can be done? What can we go back and look at? And yeah. you two have a dynamic um, backstory and a relationship. Um, you know, Lonnie, you're a former criminal prosecutor, and you come in with 20 years of experience, so you're coming in with that legal set of eyes, mm -hmm. and you can dissect everything, look at evidence as a prosecutor. Right, absolutely. Not only that, but during those 18 years that I worked as a prosecutor, I loved my job. Mm -hmm. I believed passionately in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. I felt like I put on the white hat every day and mm -hmm. went in and mm -hmm. advocated for victims who couldn't speak for themselves and made sure that society was safe and also use that very great power and authority given to prosecutors and to law enforcement um, to try and find justice. Yeah. And then I meet Brian. Well, yeah. that's the other part of the story because um, I, I know when I told people I was interviewing you, I have so many people who are big fans of yours and really have, when they hear, they know of your story, yeah. they followed it. They are so mo emotional mm -hmm. about what you've been through. Yeah. Um, can can you tell us in, in your own words? I could tell everybody for <laughs> you. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, to make a very, very long story short, um, in 2002, at the age of 16, I was on my way to uh, my senior year in high school. 
I had verbally committed to USC uh, football program to be a linebacker there the following year and uh, went to a known makeout spot on my campus uh, during summer school mm-hmm. uh, with a girl that I've known since middle school. So we've known each other for a few years. Um, we go to this area, we make out, we kiss, we touch. We never had sex. Mm-hmm. By the end of the day, I was being arrested and accused of kidnapping and rape at the wow. age of 16 years wow. old. I was arrested that same day. Wow. And I didn't come home until August 29th of 2007. Wow. And the truth about what really happened didn't come out until May 24th of 2012. Uh, so essentially, I lost 10 years of my life for a crime that I didn't commit. Five years incarcerated. Yeah, five years incarcerated in prison and yeah. another five years Provision. on strict custody parole. And you had to register as a sex offender. For those five and this years. is on the eve of you, you know, verbally committing to a major school for football scholarship. Yeah. So there goes the NBA. NFL. NFL. There goes the NFL. There goes your chances of playing football. Anything that you had at age 16 is now, you know, um, up in the air. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like your story, like the more you hear about it and then you see that there's so many other people that are in the situation. One of the things I found really interesting is you're working now with the California Innocence Project. Mm -hmm. But at the time that you were going through this, you didn't necessarily have the help from them that you needed. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Uh, Initially, Initially. uh, when I was incarcerated, I reached out to the California Innocence Project, pleading for them to help Mm -hmm. me with my case. And they denied me. They said that they needed the witness in my case to recant their story. The only witness was the person who made the false accusation. I reached out to them again when I paroled from prison. And they denied me again for those same reasons. Yeah. They needed new evidence. They needed new evidence. Yeah. And, you know, things went right for me. And in 2011, that new evidence came forward when I received a Facebook Facebook friend request. Facebook message request. Yeah. From my accuser. Uh, and that led to us uh, meeting at a private investigation office where she recanted and admitted that she lied about everything, mm-hmm. uh, which spiraled me and my case uh, into an exoneration. Right. And that's how I came into contact and eventually started to work with the California Innocence Project. So now you've kind of decided and committed yourself to helping. Yeah. You're working with the CIP. Yeah. And what is kind of... You know, when you're going through all of this and seeing everything that you went through, Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for this Facebook message request Mm -hmm. and this this just just fluke out of nowhere, she felt guilty. And here she is that exonerated you. Many people aren't that lucky. So how do you help these people? You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, You know, more times than not, a person who's been wrongfully convicted will not have their case overturned no. even if they're set free from prison mm-hmm. there may still be some form of, mm-hmm. a, of a conviction on their record yeah uh, so it is uh, very very tough to to go about doing uh, in this situation uh, what I think this show brings to our, you know our society and, and to TV is an opportunity for people to look into cases yeah. uh, where there may in fact be an innocent person behind yeah. bars. Um, I vowed to myself that once I got my life back, mm-hmm. the first thing I do was turn around and help. reach right back into that dark hole and pull another person out. Exactly. And so I've done just that since I've been home and mm-hmm. trying to find any way that I could to bring more awareness to wrongful convictions, mm-hmm. the space of wrongful convictions, mm-hmm. as well as help people who uh, I feel mm-hmm. uh, need the help. Need and the I've help. been successful at, at, at uh, 
getting two people out of prison who shouldn't even been in there. That's, so, that's amazing. Yeah. So, Lonnie, you said you'd come in every day where you're white hot. You believe in the justice system. Mm-hmm. When you see things like this happen and mm-hmm. you're working in the situation where people, I'm sure you have examples of egregious cases that you were, had to fight to get to try and get that overturned. What can we do as a society? What can the justice system do? Like, what are, other than watching this, you know, which is a riveting documentary, riveting series, what can we do? You know, I think that the first step is to to get the discussion going yeah. and for that to happen people have to really understand what's happening mm-hmm. i mean even for all of the work that brian does and all the experience that i've had what we saw um just delving into these four cases that deep dive that we did we saw stuff that you know mm-hmm. we hadn't seen before mm-hmm. i mean there's so many layers of injustice mm-hmm. and from so many different areas whether it's from the prosecution or law enforcement or from the defense side mm-hmm. um or from just from you know societal discrimination mm-hmm. that comes out in the jury rulings so you've really got to start the discussion and get people talking about it and getting people aware so that everyone becomes more educated and then there'll be changes mm-hmm. made instead mm-hmm. of people saying at this point once you get that conviction mm-hmm. on your record, yeah. to try and get that thing overturned is almost impossible. It almost takes what happened to Brian, which never happens. Yeah. When the victim comes forward, the alleged victim, and yeah. says, I lied. Mm-hmm. And even after that, it took a year for him to be exonerated. Yeah. But that's like the pinnacle of what you're hoping for. There's so many other things that lead up to that that can take years and it may never get to that point. Mm-hmm. And what happens in this specific case, with Brian's specific case, when the person lies and, you know, what is the legal, i go for it, Brian, because mm-hmm. I want to hear yeah. what happens <laughs> to that person. Unfortunately, uh, in the state of California, there's a statute of limitation. After eight years, it's impossible to go after somebody for perjury or false claims. Wow. When I got my life back, it had been 10 years that had passed. Wow. So essentially what that law is saying is I should have gone after my accuser before I was even exonerated and been able to prove my innocence. Is that in any case um, like murder, for example? Not necessarily like if somebody kind of... Well, I guess that's not the right thing. I, I believe in, in any uh, petition, mm-hmm. uh, writ, of habe- writ of habeas corpus, yeah. which is a petition to uh, to to overturn your sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, th- uh, I think it's kind of across the board as far yeah. as the steps and the process and the yeah. procedures that you would go through regardless of the case. So there's a statute of limitations against somebody who falsely accuses somebody else. There's a statute of limitation against perjury. Against perjury. Yeah, so any crime yeah. that's charged, there's usually usually a statute of limitations on it. A murder charge, mm-hmm. like if somebody's convicted uh, yeah. or tried for murder, alleged of um, committing murder, there's no, no statute of limitations. But everything else, yeah. which we hear all the time, like, you know, um, victims saying, well, I didn't know, or I didn't, you know, speak up early mm-hmm. enough, now I can't. It was mm-hmm. the same thing for Brian. Yeah. Here he was a victim of this, mm-hmm. but he, you know, it was too late. Yeah. And during the course of the show, was there anything that even shocked the two of you when you saw? I mean, there's some scenes that... Yes. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. Mm-hmm. I think what shocked me the most mm-hmm. was going to these you know, investigating these cases and going to these different small towns, mm-hmm. these different cities, and actually, you know, uh, everyone knowing that you're in town yeah. right away. People kind of driving around and following you where you go, and you know we're know always looking over our shoulder, wondering it, yeah. if someone's watching us. You know, are we, you know, turning over the wrong stone? You know, mm-hmm. stone. You know, I think that just seeing uh, how much these cases still matter in these communities, even though it's been 20, 30 years yeah. that have passed by, I think is, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty crazy when you think about it. You know. 
Absolutely. And you also, you know, you always want to assume that justice is, they say, blind. In Mm -hmm. other words, it's somewhat consistent over Mm -hmm. time and over place. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. I mean, some of the things that we saw that happened 30, 40 years ago Mm -hmm. would never fly today. Um, And also in different areas, like the small towns versus, you know, what I saw in L.A. um, From law enforcement to the way the cases were prosecuted to the way that the juries reacted to to things. it's not consistent at all. And a lot of times when I'm looking at, at these cases and, and watching them and with yours too, you don't have a lot of time to make a decision, do you? Um, as as, a, as a, a person that they're arresting, you're taken in and all of a sudden you're told you either take this case and you plea or you you might spend your life in jail. You don't have a lot of time to think about it or you don't have a lot of options. Is that is that how you felt? I think that in that situation, it would that would all depend on a number of things mm-hmm. um, how much you know your financial resources mm-hmm. um, you know do you have an attorney versus a public defender mm-hmm. I, have uh, to, I do have to speak up there's some great public defenders there are and I'm not yeah. saying they're all it's bad it's a matter of the focus mm-hmm. for the, whatever attorney you have and the caseload because yeah, in places yeah. like LA where cities are so big and the case files are so large mm-hmm. they're taking on so many cases mm-hmm. that sometimes they can't really put in that focus and attention into one case like a, a paid attorney could yeah you know but yeah I, I, I um, it's it's just interesting because you know there was on the, on the season premiere you have a mother who um, Patty yeah Patty and Pruitt. Patty Pruitt and she was um, in bed or at home when her husband was murdered mm-hmm. she's five kids and in her twenties possibly not even thirty she's arrested and she's been in jail for thirty years mm-hmm. and I'm listening to her story and in the beginning uh, she had denied being raped and then later on when she talked to you Brian she said she had been mm-hmm. raped whereas I wonder if she had told them she had been raped there could have been yes. DNA right. testing done right. see this is before DNA that's Back right then. because it was. 30 30 years ago mm-hmm. but you know like in that moment mm-hmm. and same with you Brian when you're in that moment and the police are questioning you and you have all of these emotions and you're terrified you make mistakes that doesn't make you guilty um, and sometimes I can turn around and bite you and 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 that's that's one of the things I see with these people in the mm-hmm. beginning their <clears throat> their nerves are high their emotions mm-hmm. are high um, what what do you say about something like that like uh, well, I would I would add to the, the having high nerves. I would also say that you know uh, you know I'm always giving numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. Ninety five to ninety seven percent of all criminal cases in the United States ends in some form of a plea bargain. Yeah. Only three to five percent of cases actually go to trial. Right. But that doesn't mean that that ninety five to ninety seven percent of people are guilty. Yeah. Uh, some of these people are being forced into deals, feared into deals, mm-hmm. exhausted into deals. Um, f- for example, myself, I sat in jail for almost a year mm-hmm. fighting this case that entire time that I was in jail fighting this case majority of that time was continuances and postpones of court dates nothing mm-hmm. was actually happening just, I was just going yeah. back and forth back and forth back and forth and meanwhile you're being you know you're being Why hit not? with all these different deals why yeah. don't you take this deal take this deal take eventually you take a deal yeah Eventually, because you just want this to be over. You just want it to be over. And I guess in that moment, you're 16, 17 years old. You've mm-hmm. got attorneys that are telling you that you're probably better off taking this deal and doing some jail time mm-hmm. rather than fighting it mm-hmm. because of a lot of things. So and having not knowing anything about the the, yeah. the, the, the the court system, how it works, you know, my family knew nothing about yeah. the court system. And most people don't, you know, right. most people don't know. So you take the advice of your attorney. Yeah. And when you're facing 41 years to life. So yeah. you don't want to mess with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes when I think about what these people are going through in that moment, mm -hmm. these confessions that are made or or it's a lot of being worn down, being mm -hmm. exhausted or taking a deal because you've been sitting in jail for a year. Mm -hmm. You know, what what would you say, Lonnie? What's like your advice in terms of how would you like to see this show affect people? to make some kind of changes or make some kind of discussion? I hope it gets people stirred up. Mm -hmm. I hope people watch this and they are shocked and um, discussing what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, because there's so many parts to it, so many different issues that it raises. Mm -hmm. uh, we need, as a society, to recognize that there are these issues, yeah. to admit that they're there, and to say, okay, we're ready to stand up and say we need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about people's lives here, mm -hmm. even one life, even one um, life of someone who should not be in prison so is enough to make these changes. But it's clear now that we've seen all the work done by the Innocence Project from the, all of the DNA results mm -hmm. and the people have, that have been let out of prison on, based on DNA results yeah. saying this is not the person. We mm -hmm. have to admit, look, something's wrong here. Yeah. Mistakes are being made yeah. for whatever reason, whether it's intentional or inadvertence or incompetence or lack of resources, whatever, whatever. it is. And we need to look at that and we need to be able to say, what are we gonna do to change it? Whether it be changing the sentencing guidelines to making it an easier process to review a conviction once it's there, mm -hmm. when someone says it's wrong, mm -hmm. so that people can look at it and have people really say, you have a chance at getting mm -hmm. this overturned instead mm -hmm. of just keep trying for the next 30 years, but you're never really going to get out. Yeah. Um, there needs to be changes to this process. There does. And a, a lot of times what, what you were saying, Brian, about just sitting there and for a year, postpone it, postpone it. I often wonder... You're, you're 16 years old and plenty of cases like this at the time for in, in general. What What is the benefits of keeping somebody in jail for a year with no evidence, no no proof, and it's just a delay of, of their trial? Why does that happen? Why do people, is that just how the justice system is built right now? Well, the, the system is very overburdened yeah there's a lot of cases in the system and um, that's the way a lot of cases are handled by both sides now Brian had a defense attorney mm -hmm. it wasn't a public defender as a defense attorney was being paid and these continuance and these postponements were being done by both attorneys and the judge um, for everybody's schedule and you know usually it's based on because they need more time to develop evidence or to get tests done or things like that but I don't think that that was being done in Brian's case mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just just because his attorney was busy or because, like you said, maybe she was waiting to get a lower offer mm -hmm. to tell you, okay, now take the deal because she didn't want to go to trial. I mean, a lot of things go into that, but it's never to the benefit to the person in, in jail. No. And at, and at the time, five years versus 41 probably sounds like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> well, you know, the deal was actually... Um I was, if I pled no contest to one count of sexual assault, I'd undergo what's called a 90-day observation at Chino State Prison. During that 90-day observation, I'd be interviewed by a psychologist and a counselor who would determine on a ladder system whether I would receive felony probation, three years or six years in prison. I went to, I took this deal, forced into this deal, went on this 90-day observation, received a favorable report of probation I get back to court and the judge gave me the high term of six years anyway wow. no reasoning no explanation it was like he pulled up in a McDonald's drive-thru ordered and just pulled out yeah it didn't matter to him didn't no matter. Consequence. Um, what does it spend like for you um, Lonnie to 
you already have this intense 18 to 20 years, this huge mm -hmm. experience of being mm -hmm. a prosecutor. Now you're working with somebody who is very, very well known, his, his story. Mm -hmm. How has this affected you? You know, it's um, actually been an amazing thing for me. It's mm -hmm. been an honor to be able to do this with Brian. Um, I had this experience as a prosecutor, and then I had started to segue into covering cases um, in different broadcast mm -hmm. outlets. And I was starting to see these different trials around the country and see issues that were raising my eyebrows about, that doesn't seem right, that doesn't seem fair. Um, and meanwhile, at the same time, I had met Brian briefly mm -hmm. um, after he was exonerated, just as at, he was at lunch, I was at lunch, and I had watched him on the news mm -hmm. when he got exonerated. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, wow. his whole life is now ahead of him. What's he going to do with it? Is mm -hmm. he going to, you, thought you that. know, yeah, be bitter or is he going to, he seems to have so much ahead of him. I met him. He had this presence. Um, and then I saw in the media that he was able to follow his dream in the NFL. And I was so excited for mm -hmm. him. But I never thought our paths would cross again. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time that our paths crossed, I had gotten to a point in my experience where I wanted to do something. I wanted to learn more about these wrongful convictions. And I thought, who better to do this than someone who has 18 years experience in the system, who can look mm -hmm. at this stuff and analyze it and really read between the lines mm -hmm. and see what's going on. Then someone came to me with this suggestion about Brian's show, and I was like, Brian, yeah. I would love to work with him yeah. um, and to be able to help him in, in this work. So our paths cross at the perfect time, mm -hmm. and it's been, it's I think it's been an amazing experience, and yeah. we've learned so much. Yeah. I have to ask you the same, Brian, because you you came from your story, where you were at in your life, with the promise of this future in the football, um, in, as in football, and all of a sudden that was snatched away from you. How yeah. did you keep yourself going? Yeah, well, the most important thing for me was to keep in mind that I cannot allow this one moment to dictate the duration of my life. That I wanted to, I had to want more for myself. And I knew that nobody would work harder for me than me. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, regardless of what my label was, where I was in my life, I knew I wanted better for me. Mm -hmm. And I was going to strive for that. When I got my life back, mm -hmm. I didn't get out of jail with my hands out asking for somebody to repay me for what happened to me. Mm -hmm. I put on my hard hat and I went to work. Mm -hmm. I tried out for the NFL. I made it. I went to work for the NFL for two years uh, in, in here in New York. Mm -hmm. I'm a certified life coach. I'm a nationally recognized motivational speaker. And now me and Lonnie together are working on this TV show. Mm -hmm. So this has been my response to a wrongful conviction. And that has been to be the best Brian Banks that I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is a better way to respond than any negative way. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I, I just... The last thing I need in my life is more negativity. Yeah. So I've just always looked for positive ways to better myself, and I've always looked for innovative ways and and strategic ways to help other people in similar situations. And that's all I've been since been doing since I've been home. But this is why so many people are so um, moved by your story. And um, I think that you had a choice of how you were going to be once mm -hmm. you got out. Yeah. You know, you had a choice and you made the choice to put all of the drama and the, the negativity behind and create a life that's not defined by that one moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that things that you're doing to give back to people, 
you know, hopefully will bring you yeah. so much happiness too. Yeah. That, I think that's also an, one of the important things of this show is that I was blessed and lucky to get my life back yeah. and have another opportunity to yeah. do all the things that I've done so yeah. far. Yeah. Many people who get their lives back after a wrongful conviction, yeah. they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s. Yeah. They've been gone for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, a guy by the name of Michael Hanline did 34 years in prison. Yeah. Uh, you know, here he is now in his 60s mm-hmm. and he doesn't even, you know, understand what the world is like now yeah. having been gone for so long so uh you know yeah me being young and and being able to get my life back and and putting that to work has been uh a very you know unique thing for me um and it's tough to say that for other people that have been wrongfully convicted so i think this another reason that the show is so important is that we can raise the the awareness about the space of wrongful convictions Mm -hmm. in hopes that we can slow it down if not stop it altogether yeah and 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 stop taking life life from people that don't deserve it to be taken away i just i can't help but wonder as a viewer watching the episode one and listening you know brian your story is Mm. remarkable but also so lucky and so blessed Mm -hmm. is a better word that you had the person come forward and recant everything but oftentimes that's not the case so I'm looking at this, um, watching that episode, feeling for these people. Again, not I don't know if they're innocent or guilty, but their stories. This mm-hmm. woman in her 20s has five kids, and she's in jail for 30 years. Her kids are 38 to 50 now. Yeah. Um, that life will never be brought back. And there's so many of these stories, so I can't help but wonder, is there really anything we can do? You know? I think that the, the most important, I think the first thing that we can do as a society is to make noise. Mm-hmm. If you see something that doesn't feel right, that doesn't look right, Makes say something. Yeah. Um, you know, there there have been uh, many uh, criminal uh, cases where people have, you know, we've come to find out this person was innocent and they're still behind bars and you see the public outcry, you see mm-hmm. people come together, you see petitions being signed, you see people going marches and mm-hmm. protesting and doing whatever they can to bring this person home. Um, I hope for the same, that yeah. if people uh, watch this show and they see something that wasn't right, or they see a person behind bars that should have never been in there, mm-hmm. um, that they find it within themselves to uh, spread the word, mm-hmm. to uh, share the story with the next person, mm-hmm. uh, to if they're in that if they're in that city or that state or that town, to call your local officials and complain. And that does work. That it, today, that's mm-hmm. probably the best way to bring about change. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, this is an overwhelming problem, and some people might just say, "Oh, it's just too much," and throw their hands up, you mm-hmm. know, and walk away. That doesn't mean it's any less wrong mm-hmm. or that there's any less need to change it. We still need to change this. Yeah. We still need people to speak up and to, to take it on, even though it is a big issue. And it is a social media world. I and mean, we have our president mm-hmm. tweeting and that makes news. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not the older kind of days where you have to write a letter to your congressman. You can just, you could make more of an effect and more of a noise faster. Most mm-hmm. definitely. And, and you're yeah. saying we should all makes them noise to the injustice that's mm-hmm. out there. Every person's voice does matter. It does and in matter. in 2018, we all have our own platform mm-hmm. to make our own voice be heard mm-hmm. uh, and to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, I'm hoping that uh, when people see episode one mm-hmm. this Sunday, yeah, uh, that the social media waves just blow up yeah. and people get to talking about not only Patty Pruitt, but people start to talk about the space of wrongful convictions. Like, yeah. dude, what's really happening right it's now? Because frust- it's, 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 it's frustrating to watch. I, I'm not even a part of this yeah. woman's life and mm-hmm. it's frustrating to watch. I mean, you know, Brian, your story. And so make some noise, get the discussion going, yeah. 
and watch Final Appeal. It's going to be amazing. It's amazing. amazing. Oh, it premieres man. Sunday, January 7th. It's going to be on Oxygen TV, 7 p.m. Eastern. Yes. Check your local listings. And what an honor having you guys both here. I was really looking forward to having you guys both here. Thank oh, you thank so you. much. Thanks yeah, for having thanks us. Yeah, it. it's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.